Welcome to the Real Estate Syndication Show. Whether you are a seasoned investor or building a new real estate business, this is the show for you. Whitney Sewell talks to top experts in the business. Our goal is to help you master real estate syndication. And now your host, Whitney Sewell. This is your daily real estate syndication show. I'm your host, Whitney Sewell. Today, our guest is Jeff Greenberg. Thanks for being on the show again, Jeff. Well, thank you, Whitney. I'm happy to be here. And you probably remember Jeff's name. He's been on the show a couple of times. In the previous episode was show 229, WS229. Jeff has some great experience. He's been in this business a long time, done many deals, which I'm going to tell you a little about. And I'm just, I'm thankful to have him back on the show to be able to share from his experience and, and teach us uh, many lessons that he's learned. Uh, but over 40 years of experience in management, staff supervision, development, and training, he's the CEO of Synergetic Investment Group, LLC, also known as SIG, investing in multifamily and student housing assets since 2007. He's been an investor in $40 million of multifamily projects consisting of over 1,000 units. SIG currently controls 317 student housing beds and properties in Georgia, Arizona, and Ohio, currently under contract on two properties in Texas and Kentucky, totaling 292 units. They're focused on value-add student housing, market rate multifamily, and senior living multifamily properties. Jeff also runs two REI clubs uh, and over the past 13 years and is active on bigger pockets and other forums. In his spare time, he road cycles 100 miles a week and spends time with his grandchildren. Wow, 100 miles a week. That seems like a long ways, Jeff. It is, and it's been a struggle to keep that up lately, but uh, you know, it's out of three or four runs. Wow, that's a way to keep moving anyway. Uh, you know, Jeff, thank you again and for being on the show. Give the listeners a little more about who you are, but let's dive right in. You know, you've heard from me before, but uh, basically I'm out here in California and I invest across the country. Um, we're looking at value-add properties, both multifamily and student housing, and uh, I don't know, ask away on the questions. Great. Great. Well, you know, I'd like to know your opinion and just your take on some deal structure, how you've structured deals, and and maybe let's talk about, you know, why that, you know, you structure them one way or the other. And or maybe you could give us an example of a deal and then let's dive into, you know, exactly how it was structured and why. The main concern that uh, people should uh, think about is on the deal structure is that both sides are going to be benefiting from it. The um, passive investor coming in. Typically, he's looking at it as far as, is it fair to them? But I feel it's extremely important that they also look to make sure that the sponsor is going to be making some money as well, if they're doing a good job. When we look at a structure, we want the investor to be protected on the downside if, if the numbers don't come in. And the sponsor should be protected also on the upside that they gain benefits from great performance. So typically when we're setting up a deal, we try to see what is going to be of interest to the investor, but also is going to protect both sides and also get us some cash flow if we're, if we're doing the job that we projected that we would do. And that's important. A lot of people want to look at what it is that is in it for themselves. But when you're getting in on with a new sponsor and there's not going to be any cash flow for the sponsor or there's not going to be much in it for the sponsor, 
all of a sudden the sponsors got a problem that you know they need to keep the lights on and if there's not money coming in so typically we look at a deal when we're even looking at making an offer on the deal we're looking at okay what can we offer the investors and what kind of structure is going to allow that and the preferred return is is typically the main thing that will make sure that the investors are comfortable uh, that they'll get a return prior to the the sponsor getting any money up well let me go over a few of the pieces where where a sponsor makes their money and typically the sponsor will get an acquisition fee now that acquisition fee is for all the effort that the sponsor put into getting well first of all getting themselves educated learning about this business also finding the deal getting the deal together and bringing the investors in and so that's an initial fee that they get and that could be anywhere from one percent to even five percent say on a smaller deal of the purchase price and that they get typically up front at the closing the next one they would get is a percentage of the cash flow now typically that percentage is going to be after a preferred return preferred return essentially is a return on the investor's investment so if you were to get a say an eight percent preferred return you would get that prior to the syndicator receiving any funds or any any cash flow now the preferred return isn't guaranteed and it's handled in many different ways but we'll come back to that because it's going to get a little complicated and i'll explain that so after the preferred return the investor would start getting their shares of the distribution then the third one typically is the profit at sale and that profit at sale comes after the investors get all of their investment back and then the profit is split and that split could be anywhere from uh, 80 to the investors 20 to the sponsor it could be a 70 to the investors 30 to the sponsor it could be you know 60 40 the only time i've seen it at typically at 50 50 is in development deals where there's a lot more work involved for the sponsor those may be 50 50. okay so that's typically your split at the end oh with the one other fee which really is an ongoing fee uh, would be the asset management fee and that could be typically anywhere from one one to three percent of the revenue goes to the person that basically is on the sponsor's team but is the middleman between the property manager and the team the sponsor's team so you've got that person that is working for the next five to ten years as that intermediary and working with the property management some of the newer people come in and think okay i'm going to hire a professional property management and then i can go back to sleep and uh, do whatever uh, and that's very far from true you need somebody on your team that is keeping an eye on the property manager meeting with the property manager in the beginning we meet weekly 
with the management team. And as time goes on and things are going well, you can spread that out maybe every other week, every three weeks. We were doing it, my Houston property. We moved to once a month. And then when we had nothing to talk about on once a month, we started, you know, even doing that less. But initially you're doing that, you're going to go over budget and all kinds of other things, how well things are performing. So those are the, the essential fees. But let's go back to the preferred return. There's some different ways that I've seen people do this as well. And I want to hit that, and but I wanted to go back. One thing you mentioned that I really like too, like the acquisition fee. And I hear, you know, people get pushed back about acquisition fees and things like that. And, you know, I would almost say, well, if the investor doesn't want you to make money, then, you know, maybe they need to find another deal, you know, to invest in. But what they don't see is that like all the work you've put in, not even on this deal, but all the deals you've turned away, you know, time and time and time and time again, making sure that you have the best deal you can have for them to invest in. Absolutely. And, you know, the thing is, is basically the the syndicator is is bringing people together. And if you look at any other type of uh, deal where somebody is acting in that capacity, where they're bringing people together, bringing a buyer and seller together, or just bringing, you know, some group together, some creating a company or whatever it happens to be, bringing in some synergy, they're going to get paid for that because that's a lot of work that they've done. It's a lot of time that they've spent and they need to be compensated for that. They need to keep the lights on and keep things going. So we don't want to be greedy when we're deciding what the percentage is. Right. So if you look at it on a small deal, maybe it's going to be a 5%, but maybe on a bigger deal, it's going to be 1% or 2%. So that that way the, the sponsor is also compensated and can keep their, their business running. Right. And that's important. And the thing is, is, a lot of times when we get into a deal, if, if we haven't done a full raise, that we have to continue the raise after the closing, we don't get that, that acquisition fee until the, all the money is in. And once the money's all in and everything's set up and things are rolling, then we can go ahead and take that fee. Nice. I appreciate you elaborating on that. Yeah. And please elaborate on the preferred return. Yeah. Now on the preferred return, there's people that do it in all different fashions. Typically the preferred return, and this is not a guaranteed return, the preferred return will be on the cash flow available, uh, distributable cash uh, will go to the investor until they received whatever that dollar amount or that percentage is. Say it's an 8% return. So say they uh, invested $100,000. So once on an annual basis, the preferred return would give them $8,000 a year. Okay. Now, typically on your first year, you may not reach that. And here's where some of the differences come in. There are some sponsors that will carry that over to the next year. So say you only got $6,000. So you only got a 6% return. And now the next year comes around, that 8% picks up that two that you didn't get. And so now your preferred return for that year coming up is a 10%. Now, maybe they still only received a six. That could be continued to be carried forward until the end when finally the property is sold. Now, that could be a problem because if you notice, the sponsor isn't getting anything during this time. Now, 
They may be getting the money from the asset management fee. I know some people that have their own property management company, so they're getting money from there. But otherwise, if you see a deal where that's the proposal, the sponsor may not be getting any money during the hold, which is not a great thing. The next thing is, is okay, so say we do get that 8%, say there's instead of that $8,000, say just for example, so there's $10,000 that's available for distribution. Okay, you give out the $8,000, which is the preferred return. Now, I've seen some sponsors that will say, okay, that last $2,000 or that last 2%, we're gonna do whatever the split is. Okay, say we were gonna do a 70-30 split. So now we're gonna take that 2% and do a 70-30 split on that. Well, that sponsor's not getting much money out of that either. So the 70 going to the investor and 30 going to the sponsor, that sponsor is not going to be able to you know, pay the bills with that limited amount of money. What we do is we allow a catch-up. Okay. So if it was, say, let's just say an 80-20 split because that will make the numbers easy. So now the sponsor's gotten their 8%, they've gotten their $8,000, and there's 2,000 more. Well, we're going to take that as the sponsor because that's our catch-up. That's our 80-20 split. Okay, so the next year, say there's, uh, what, uh, $12,000 to distribute. So that one, we're going to give the first 8% to the investor. We're going to get the next 2% or the next $2,000. That catches us up us up on that 80-20 split, and now we're gonna do an 80-20 on whatever's left over, because now we're on an even scale, okay? Yeah. So typically, we'll tell people that they're gonna get a preferred return, or they're gonna get the split, whichever's higher, okay? Okay. So if we just took that $12,000 and did a straight 80-20 split, they would get the same amount of money. They would get the more than the $8,000, whatever that comes out to, okay? So it can be a little confusing. And there are some people that will take that accumulation of money that they didn't get from their preferred return and give that at the end. So I know this is a little confusing, but it's it's good to be clear, you know, how that preferred return is going to be used. Yes. And if it's going to be accumulated all the way and held back at the end and where you're going to get it. But again, I want to emphasize that it's important to make sure that the sponsor is, is getting money as well. Right. We did a deal. The first deal I did, uh, we had an eight, an 8% prefer. And we held that property because this was a small property, probably a little small to be syndicated. It was uh, in a very stable market. I may have talked about this one before. There wasn't a lot of money in there. We expected to raise rents. Well, that was this was a three-year-old property. Uh, the rents were where they probably should have been, and we weren't able to raise rents, so we were never able to get beyond that 8% preferred return. So for six years, we didn't make any money. Mm. We didn't make a dime, and we didn't have an asset management fee in there. So for six years, we ran the property without getting any money at all, and we got a small profit at the end. Well, we proved to our investors that we were dedicated, that we supported them. But, you know, we weren't being paid and we made a, you know, like I said, a small profit at the end. I appreciate you sharing that. That says a lot about you, though, as well. I mean, you kept working on that property, making sure 
your investors got that preferred return as promised. Absolutely. And what I was going to say is a lot of people may have difficulty doing that. You know, if you're having difficulty paying the bills, I mean, we weren't living on that money, so we were we were fine, but it was it was extra work and it took that dedication. Other people that thought that they were going to jump into this business and be making all kinds of money may not be able to afford to do that. And so you do want to make sure that your your sponsor is making some money. And they may not, you know, put the dedication in to do that. So those are important key ingredients in this. I'm not sure if I missed anything on the structure, but uh, any other things that you want me to clear up? Yeah, you know, that, that's you've you've covered a lot. It's really good information. I appreciate you elaborating, you know, on the structure. And tell me, you know, when would or, or is there a way that, uh, like, when you go into looking at a deal that you know helps you to know how to structure it? Is there like a specific preferred return you want for investors or specific way you want them to be paid that says, okay, this is, or, you know, this deal is not going to work or, or maybe we structure it a little differently. So we meet those returns that you're trying to receive, or is there a different way that you go into it? Well, we do look, go into the deal looking at what structure or what return is going to interest our investors. And typically on all of our deals, we've done an 8%. Nowadays, uh, I know people getting in there at 7% and 6% because the returns are harder to come by. And these returns are still a lot better than most people are getting in their other investments. But it's basically knowing your investors and, and what their interest is. I had a gentleman uh, contact me that he had investors he wanted to bring in, but he said we were paying too much money that he didn't want his investors to be spoiled. And that if we had a deal that fit his criteria, he would he would bring in 90% of our the equity with his investors. But it had to be, you know, at a lower return because he didn't want them spoiled. They were happy with what they were getting and that's what he wanted. Yeah, that's interesting. And I was gonna ask you just like, you know, as far as deals going forward, how this has changed or is it changing? Uh, just because, you know, it's, it is harder to find deals that work and, 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 you know, make the numbers work. And so, you know, are you trying to pull that down from 8%? You know, it seems like it's been pretty standard, but I have seen more people doing like a 6% preferred return lately. And is that something, you know, you're considering or are doing as well? Yeah, we've been considering that. And the other thing that we consider is the split, you know, where we're going to put the split. And it's all on based on our projections of returns. I know some people now that are doing no preferred returns. There's some big uh, sponsors that are doing an 80-20 split and no no preferred return at all, that everybody gets a split right up front and it goes all the way through. I know another uh, friend of mine that is giving 100% of the distributions to the investors. And then I think they're doing a 70-30 at the back end. So they're not worried about getting any cash flow at all. They are doing an asset management fee. So they're getting that cash flow, but they're not doing any cash flow through the hold, which is, I don't know, interesting. That is interesting. Yeah. And I appreciate you sharing too, as far as you know, some people uh, not doing preferred returns, but just doing a split. And could you elaborate on that a little bit? And maybe what, what's their motivation to do it that way? Well, they must know, you know, their investors and um, that their investors will be good with, you know, with that offering. 
that's the main thing is that it works with their investors, with their projections. You know, it, it's knowing what will interest the investors. As a syndicator, without investors, uh, we're not working. You know, we have to have investors to pull the deals together. And if we can't create a deal structure that the investors are interested in, you know, we're essentially out of business. Great point. Great point. And Jeff, you know, I feel like you've covered it really well and you've elaborated on many points that I wanted to make sure were covered. Anything else about structuring a deal that you wanted to to tell the listeners or I mean, anything at all? Well, the thing that we didn't we didn't really talk about is uh, something called waterfalls, right? Which is something that that I haven't done, which I would like to do. The main thing, and I'll, first, I'll tell you the reason for waterfalls: the preferred return basically protects the investor on the downside that they're going to get returns before the sponsor does. What the waterfall does, it, it protects a little bit more of the sponsor on the upside. Uh, where if the sponsor gets past certain hurdles, certain amounts of return, then the split can change. And so if I got an investor a 15% annualized return, then my split may go from an 80-20 to a 70-30. And if I get them you know, a, a 20% return, then it may jump to a 50-50. And so that way we're getting a little bit more advantage of the upside. And where that would have come in on my deal is I had a deal, um, the property I sold in Houston, where my investors, that was a 60-40, well, it was either 60-40 or 70-30, don't quite remember. But they ended up getting a 40% annualized return. They got 120% in three years. Well. I really should have gotten a bigger piece of that, but I didn't put it in the structure when I first set it up, and therefore I had to stick with what it said in the PPM. And so they did very well, and I did fine, but I certainly could have done better with a waterfall. The reason I haven't put a waterfall in is it's a little more complicated and people are confused. And if people get confused with your structure, if you have too many moving parts, they're just going to say, I'm not interested because they don't quite understand it. So that's the reason I wouldn't put it in. You know, I still probably will at some point, but that's why I didn't in the past. I didn't want to confuse people, but that protects this sponsor. The sponsor does a fabulous job and gets a fabulous return for investors. They deserve to get a better return as well. And uh, the waterfall protects the sponsor on the upside. So that's that's just another piece. Yeah, I appreciate you talking about how it protects the sponsor on the upside. And you know, I've heard of a team who they do no pref, like you mentioned, and no waterfalls. And and their reasoning, like they'll just do a split. And their reasoning was just so investors can understand it. And it's you know, this is just the way it is across the board. And so I, you know, I've I've gone back and forth about different ways to structure deals, and and uh, I appreciate you talking about the the waterfall as well. But the as far as I mean, just doing a split. Have you ever done a deal like that where you just did a split and no pref? All of my deals have been prefs. Okay, so far the investors seem to like that. Yeah. So I was kind of surprised when I heard these guys that were successful and doing with no pref, but 
they've got a lot of experience. They've got a great track record um, and they've got a huge uh, investor pool. So, you know, they're, they were able to pull that off. Great. Great. Jeff, you're always a great guest. I always welcome you back on the show to share from your expertise. And, uh, you know, is there, is there one key way that stands out to you that, that you take a way that you take care of investors that helps you to stand out amongst other operators? Well, I try to be as transparent as possible. We've started uh, doing monthly updates. Typically, we were doing quarterly meetings, and we're still doing the quarterly meetings, uh, conference calls, but we're starting to do uh, monthly updates to keep people informed as far as what's going on. Also, uh, anytime an investor contacts me, I try to get back to them within 24 hours to answer their questions or to, you know, whatever it is they, they happen to need. So um, we just know that investors, you know, are our customers and we treat them as that. They're very important to us and we want to keep them happy and keep them around. All right, Jeff. Well, thank you very much. And would you share with the listeners, though, before we go, how you like to give back and also tell them how to get in touch with you? Well, I spend a lot of time at different meetings and conferences and help and, and help people out and give back when, um, I mean, I, I also do some coaching where I'm, you know, giving all my advice to, to people, you know, that's probably the main way that I give back is helping out people with advice and looking over some of their deals and stuff. That's probably the, the, the big way that I'm doing it. Awesome. And how can people learn more about you and get in touch with you? You can, uh, Go to my website at www.synergeticig, and that's spelled S-Y-N-E-R-G-E-T-I-C-I-G.com. And you can also write to me at jeff at synergeticig.com. I also get communications from Bigger Pockets as well. Great. Jeff, thank you again for your time. Always appreciate you being on the show. Appreciate the listeners being with us today and, and every day. I hope you will. Uh, continue to come back and and grow your knowledge and grow your business and and uh, join the real estate syndication show on Facebook. Also go to LifeBridge Capital and connect with me. And we will talk to each of you tomorrow. Thank you for listening to the real estate syndication show. Brought to you by LifeBridge Capital. LifeBridge Capital works with investors nationwide to invest in real estate, while also donating fifty percent of its profits to assist parents who are committing to adoption. LifeBridge Capital making a difference, one investor and one child at a time. Connect online at www.lifebridgecapital.com for free material and videos to further your success.